Hi all, I hope you're well. Just a quick note before we start this week's episode that due to a technical issue uh, when we were recording, the only voice you will hear from about minute 2 to minute 16 is mine. Um, it's Alex has very fantastically edited it so that it broadly sounds natural, but uh, if you get into that and wonder why you're not hearing Alex responding to me at all, uh, that is why. Um, if you can't cope with a pure 15-minute undiluted cut of George, then um, just skip ahead. But you will, of course, miss my reviews of Shang-Chi and Annette. Uh, that is your call to make. But uh, I'll see you on the other side and have a good one. Bye. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Culture Bucket, Georgia and Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, Energy. Welcome to episode 47 <laughs> of the Culture Bucket podcast, the best podcast in the world. Professionally produced, edited, mixed, everything promoted by the master of ceremonies, my co-host, Alex. Hi, Alex. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hi George, hi everyone Hi, hi, hi That was a great intro, Good, thank I'm you Good, I'm glad How are you doing today? Great, yeah? Good, good day today? Great, doing well? <laughs> great day, great day, never better <laughs> We haven't had a technical issue It's all funky no, dory How are you George? You, it's weird, it's also excited, it's been our first year podiversary It has been our first year podiversary We've been recording for a year A full year of Culture Bucket has happened, it's incredibly exciting um, the third. We're still excited about it. Yeah, broadly, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, you know, we're, I I think it's good. Numbers are going up at the moment a little bit, which is exciting. Um, yeah, we're getting more more listeners. Yeah, we had a good few listeners for that um, promising young woman episode we did, which I think is nice. If you did listen to that, please email us and let us know what you think about the movie. Uh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Or just, you know, messages on Instagram or however you get in touch would be great. Uh, today, though, yeah. we're talking about zombies, the undead. It's getting into autumn. Yeah. We're dipping our toes in the spooky waters of autumn. And they've come out all covered in maggots and bones and stuff because it's zombie Ooh. season, baby. So top five yeah. zombie movies today. Exciting stuff. Yeah, very exciting. I haven't watched many zombie movies. So I, uh, you know, my list was pretty easy to make. I just had to put the... F- six i've seen in the order <laughs> good i'm glad my movie my list is uh insane and stupid so we'll get to that uh our very i'm sure yeah. our lists our lists might be completely different this week oh absolutely yeah, yeah. i think because yeah, there's definitely. loads of movies that i almost maybe like more than the movies i've put on my top five but i wanted to highlight some maybe lesser Loved or discussed zombie films. So mm. we'll see how he goes. We'll get there. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Culture catch up time. 
well, they, that, it, this is it. It's culture catch-up time. We're doing it. We're doing it right now, uh, as always, at the start of the episode. Uh, I'm going to talk about just two films today uh, that I've watched since we last recorded, and um, a TV show, and then a couple of album recommendations, but not too much uh, to say about those beyond that they're good. But first of all, I went to cinema on Friday, our, 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 our anniversary uh, day, uh, to see a double pill of um, the newest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and uh, also uh, the musical, the new musical, Annette. I watched both of those, one after the other, so we'll talk about them. First up, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is um, an origin story for, I would say, one of Marvel's lesser-known superheroes. First of all, it's pretty notable, historic, um, for being the first uh, Asian superhero film in the MCU, uh, all about um, Asian characters, which is uh, exciting, um, and I think is a really big deal for um, you know Asian culture and Asian representation, and uh, it's, it's pretty brilliant in that respect. It is uh, a film that follows, well, we open on Sean, played by an actor called Simu Liu, who I don't know particularly, but I think he starred in a sitcom for years um, and is uh, fairly popular. But yeah, he plays Sean and we open on him in, I think he's like late 20s. He's working as a valet in San Francisco with his best friend, Katie, played by Awkwafina. And uh, Katie and Sean, played by Simulu and Awkwafina, work as valets at a hotel. And it sets up pretty early on that the pair of them have a lot of potential and are sort of squandering it on what uh, the people in their lives consider to be a fairly dead-end job. But the thing is, they're happy. So, who you know, who's to say that they're doing the wrong thing, really? But one day on the way to work, somebody on the bus, a shady-looking man, approaches Sean and demands that he give him the pendant that surrounds Sean's neck. And uh, Katie Orkafina is confused by this, but Sean seems to understand what's going on and he gets attacked and very quickly shows himself to be a master in martial arts. And uh, there is the first big action set piece in this movie is on this sort of. Do you know the bendy buses? They have them in. They have them in London, I think. That have like a concertina thing in the middle. One of those buses going through San Francisco, and uh, Shang, Sean, or as we soon learn, Shang Chi, uh, has to fight off a group of assassins on this bus, including one giant guy who has a knife for an arm, which is pretty cool. And uh, once this fight scene ends. Shang-Chi, or Sean, explains to Katie that he is actually Shang-Chi, and his father is the leader of a international terrorist organisation known as the Ten Rings, and um, he escaped, and uh, now they are looking for him, and it's all connected to his sort of lineage and legacy, and his mother and father, and it's a really sort of family-centred story. The villain um, is Shang-Chi's dad, who controls these ten rings that seem to... He wears them on his wrists and they give him these powers. And um, Shang-Chi has to kind of stand in opposition to him uh, due to what he wants to do. And they end up fighting, obviously, and it all sort of... And it's a good film. I enjoyed it. Um, Simu Liu, 
as Shang-Chi is excellent. He's really funny and he can definitely do all the physical stuff. Um, Aquafina is absolutely, I mean, you always knew she was going to be, but she's amazing as um, almost, she's sort of the audience surrogate because she ends up being dragged along on this ride um, in a Dr. Watson style. She doesn't have any superpowers, um, but she's sort of dragged along and you see this new world um, through her eyes almost. She kind of has that viewpoint for the audience and um, she's really funny and really good in it. You've also got... Um, I really, I, I really am sorry if I mispronounce um, these names, uh, but I will do my best. Uh, an actress called Menga Zhang plays uh, Zhu Jialing, who is uh, Shang-Chi's sister, who runs a underground fighting ring. And she's amazing. And her, like, again, she has plenty of fight scenes. Uh, she fights with... Do you remember in Kill Bill, the girl from... The actress from Battle Royale plays that character who has the... Mace, she this Shang Chi's sister fights with a very similar weapon, a sort of a, a a rope that has a dagger on one end and this kind of heavy weighted ball on the other. And uh, whenever you see her kind of whipping that around, it always looks amazing. It th- yeah, the the fight scenes in this movie are incredible. And um, an actor called where is he now? Tony Leung plays Zhu Wenwu or the Mandarin as he's known in the comics. Um, and he is, he's the bad guy, and he's apparently a kind of an icon of, I think, Hong Kong cinema. He's like Tom Cruise famous um, in China, but I think this is his first ever English-speaking role, his first ever time acting in an American film. And um, you can kind of see why he's so beloved in, in his home country. He's, he's, a, he's really, really good in this film and adds like loads of weight to the villain, which is brilliant. And... Um, yeah, it's great. Michelle Yeoh's in there as well, um, playing a character I won't talk about too much because it's a bit of a spoiler, but she's really, really good when she turns up. Um, my only criticism of the film as a whole is that it sort of ends up feeling like a lot of promises are being made about the future. And I think that when we see this character in this world turn up again in future films, it's going to be a bit more interesting because they've got the initial... Uh, exposition of what who Shang Chi is and what his what this organization is and all of these things they've got all of that out of the way in this movie and it, I think it adds scope for the future and certainly in the tradition of standard MCU movies the post credit scenes also sort of set up that um, and bringing characters like Benedict Wong's uh, Wong from the Doctor Strange movies uh, sort of potentially is going to be involved in this area of the franchise and stuff as well which is pretty fantastic so yeah it's um it's a good film. And you're going to be able to see it pretty soon, Alex, even if you don't go to the cinema, because in a strange move, it's going to turn up on Disney+, Plus. I think, in just 45 days after it's premiered theatrically. Mm. Controversial decision in some uh, to some people, I think, the, the shortening of that theatrical window, but um, it does at least mean that um, people like you might be able to watch it a little bit sooner. Mm. Yeah, so no, Shang-Chi, definite positive review for me. Really liked it. Next film, a little bit more controversial maybe. Um, Well, not controversial, but a little bit more sort of your mileage may vary kind of thing, is Annette. It's the English language debut feature film of sort of um, iconic French auteur, Lios Carax, who has um, directed a a fair amount of films uh, in French in the past. Mm, The one I've heard of is Holy Motors, which is 
famously kind of um, an incredibly strange and surreal movie. But um, I've not I've not actually seen it. This is the first film of his I've seen. But this is a collaboration with um, iconic pop duo Spark. So they're an interesting band, actually. They've been around since the 70s. They've done like well over 20 albums, 25 albums or something. And somehow 2021 has been their year because earlier this year, and I didn't manage to see it, which was really disappointing, but um, a really big, like two and a half hour long documentary on their entire career came out, uh, directed by, of all people, Edgar Wright, who's a big fan of them. So that was kind of a big deal. Um, And I'm hoping to watch that when it sort of, I missed it in the cinema, but hopefully I'll watch it when it hits streaming or something. Um, But then also, along with that documentary, which has really kind of got a lot of, given them a lot of notice, uh, they have done this musical, directed by Leos Carax, but all of the music has been done by Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle from Sparks, and they wrote the story and the screenplay, and it's kind of their, their film as well. And it's absolutely mad. It It's two hours and 20 minutes long. It's an epic, and it follows the story of Henry McHenry, played by Adam Driver, who is a stand-up comedian. And if you think casting Adam Driver as a stand-up comedian is an odd choice, that's the first of a thousand odd choices that this movie makes. Um, and Marion Cotillard, who's an amazing actress, plays Anne Defrasno. Um, and she is an opera singer, and the film is the tale of their showbiz romance, effectively, um, and their subsequent daughter, uh, Annette, who the film is named after, who is uh, shown in the movie through puppetry. Annette is a puppet in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've also got Simon Helberg, who I don't really know, but he starred in The Big Bang Theory. He plays a character called The Accompanist, and, um, he's brilliant in this movie, actually, Simon Helberg. I've never watched The Big Bang Theory. I never will watch The Big Bang Theory. Uh, but he presumably was, was wasted by The Big Bang Theory, because he's pretty good in this film. It's hard to describe Annette much beyond that. It follows their, um their romance it's almost entirely sung through there's very there's almost no spoken dialogue i think there might be one line of spoken dialogue in the entire film the songs are built almost entirely through repetition of certain phrases um for example oh there's a song where she's giving birth to a net where the doctors are saying breathe 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 and that becomes almost a chant in the song um and um it it sort of it you can tell when you're watching it that you're watching a film by an author in the way that when you're watching a film by Wes Anderson you can tell that he's making like everything you see on screen is a choice that he's made when you're watching a film by David Lynch everything you see on screen is a choice he's made this film feels feels very similar um you know different characters are always dressed in specific colors that are meant to reflect certain things Annette Annette being a puppet has a lot of symbolism connected to it. Maybe one of the characters views her as a prop to be manipulated and that's why she's a puppet kind of thing. There's a lot of, you know, you can read a hundred different things into every scene of this film and it is kind of overwhelming at times. Uh, It opens with this incredible performance of a song called 
So May We Start, which literally opens with the director on camera asking May We Start, and then it cuts to the band Sparks performing this song, and they walk out of the studio and bump into Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, and then they walk down the street singing this song, and then it just segues into the um, story of the film from there, and it kind of like sets you up immediately as you're watching something that's not going to be a traditional kind of experience. Um, yeah, I so ultimately, I, I don't want to go into it too much more than that because I don't want to spoil kind of the, the joys of the movie. I really loved it and thought it was amazing. I gave it five stars. The person I went to see it with said at the end, that's the worst film I've seen this year and it's probably the worst film I've ever seen. So you're, it's not going to be for everyone because it is very... But if you enjoy cinema that is... Um, produced by, I guess, auteur is the word, auteurs, you know, if you enjoy cinema that has a lot of meaning, symbolism behind it, and ideas, and doesn't necessarily tell, I, I don't know, it's hard to, because the story of this movie is very kind of, you know, famous showbiz couple falls in love and has drama, that's kind of a normal story that you'll have heard before, but just the way this film tells its story is unlike anything I've seen. Um ever before. So I thought it was amazing. I really, really liked it. I'd recommend it. But um you need to settle in for for an unusual time, I think, with um with Annette. Yeah. Um next up I'm gonna talk about TV show I mentioned briefly in the Promising Young Woman episode, The White Lotus. Uh from HBO. Six one hour long episodes. It is a satire. A black comedy satire. Um Created, written, directed, produced, and all of these things by Mike White, who is probably most well known to most people as uh, the director of School of Rock uh, oh, yeah, back in the day, amazing. which is exciting. Uh, he's created the show The White Lotus, which is a sort of s quite savage satire of uh, rich white Americans or just rich white people and um, the way that they can. Uh, cause absolute havoc and mayhem, mm. but ultimately, uh, it's almost it's quite. A, I don't want to get into too much about what happens at the end of it, but um, yeah, it's very real about the world, and it doesn't sort of uh, try to try to portray anything as how it would probably go down in real life. So it can be quite shocking at times, but it's a good show, man. Uh, it kind of follows a group of tourists during a week's stay at an unbelievably expensive um, hotel and resort called the White Lotus in Hawaii. Uh, I think a lot of it was filmed at the Four Seasons Hotel in Hawaii, and I look, I was looking that up, and the similar rooms have cost $1,800 a night, Alex. Wow. $1,800 a night. Um, I couldn't do it. No. That's like... That's like three months' rent for me. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, yeah I'm not staying there. But some people some people <laughs> are staying there, including the Mossbacker family, a very, very rich and wealthy family. Um, the matriarch of the family, Nicole Mossbacker, is played by Connie Britton, who was in Promising Young Woman, playing the dean, and she's uh, fantastic in mm -hmm. that, and she's fantastic in this. Uh, as the CFO of a large tech company, a search engine company. Her husband, Mark Mossbacher, is uh, played by Steve Zahn. 
and he sort of goes through a variety of health scares and existential mm. crises during the series. Um, and their two children, Olivia and Quinn, are played by Sydney Sweeney plays Olivia, who is a um, sort of a teenager. Uh, who kind of presents as being very what you would say, I guess, is woke, um, mm. and very sort of uh, yeah, is an interesting character actually, and sort of almost mm. a, uh, at the start, her and her friend Paula, who she's brought on holiday with her, Paula, played by uh, Brittany O'Grady, um, who isn't white, who I think is mixed race heritage, uh. They almost initially seem like they're meant to be the kind of audience surrogate that you see the fil- see the series through their eyes, but then very quickly mm. they become the most strange and weird characters. That be- There's a whole scene of <laughs> yeah. them doing ASMR, and you can't quite tell if they're in a relationship, if they're just friends. It's a very um, almost, oh. m- I guess, modern uh, look at a. a a relationship between uh, two teenagers, which is interesting. And then her brother, mm. Quinn, is uh, played by Fred Heshinger, who I've seen recently in The Woman in the Window, but is much better here than he was in that. And he's kind of socially awkward, addicted to his phone, addicted to his um, tablet and all of these things, and maybe isn't particularly interested on being on holiday in Hawaii, but uh, goes on mm. a pretty fascinating and interesting journey over the course of the series which is which is cool so that's the Mossbacher family we follow them um then we also follow a newly married couple played by Alexandra Daddario playing Rachel and uh Jake Lacey mm-hmm. who plays Shane and they are on their honeymoon in the White Lotus and finally the last main sort of uh, guest that we follow is Tanya McQuaid played by the perfect Jennifer Coolidge who has um recently lost her mother and has brought her mother's ashes with her on this trip to uh, hopefully scatter. Um, So we follow all of them Mm. and we kind of follow them through the eyes of the hotel manager Armand, played by an actor called Murray Bartlett, who's Australian. I don't really know him for anything, but he's amazing in this series. Uh, Watching the journey he goes through uh, is incredible. And I won't spoil any of that here, but he's He's amazing. <laughs> and uh, we also follow quite closely, um, particularly for the Jennifer Coolidge storyline, um, Belinda, the manager of the hotel's spa, who's played by Natasha Rothwell. And um, again, just because it's a satire on which white people, it's important to mention that uh, Belinda is a black woman. And um, again, sort of characters who think they're helping might end up uh, just trampling all over her life and the lives of other people in it. So sort of sad but real and funny and complex and all the things you want a really good uh, you know HBO series to be um mm. I don't want to spoil too much of what happens in the white lotus because it's kind of that's the joy of watching it is kind of seeing the the where these characters start and where they end up and do they actually end up anywhere different to where they start and all these things but I'll very quickly talk about the two characters I found most interesting maybe or at least one of the characters i found most interesting which is rachel played by alexandra daddario an actress that uh you've probably seen in stuff alex um let me yeah 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 i've seen her a few things uh percy jackson yeah i think she initially started off in percy jackson and then became kind of more widely known through true detective the first season of true detective yeah um and she's a great 
She was in a film called When We First Met. Is about a guy that goes back in yes, time. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, Adam Devine from Pitch I quite Perfect. I like that film. She's really good in. Yeah, yeah. she is. Um, mm. So she sort of started off in True. De- she started off in Percy Jackson. Then she was in True Detective, and she's really, really good in True Detective. And I've always been kind of a fan of hers because of True Detective. And I kind mm. of hoped she'd be in more, you know, prestigious dramas, films, kind of go that route with her career. And she often, she's brilliant in stuff, but she's often in stuff that to me feels almost beneath what I think her talents are. For example, When We First Met is a, mm. is a good Netflix romantic comedy film and she's good in it, mm. but she could be in, I don't know, more. She's in, she's in a Texas Chainsaw movie, which is not a very good film, but she's mm. good in it. She's in, um, what else has she been in? She was in the Baywatch movie, which I haven't watched, but. I don't know. And her character in this almost Mm. feels like maybe a bit of a reflection on her career in real life. It's almost a little bit meta because her character, Mm. she plays Rachel, who's a journalist who um, isn't particularly successful, writes lists for BuzzFeed and things like that and repurposes other people's articles Mm. and stuff and sort of has, has a struggling career. But she's earned it herself and she's quite proud of that. Her husband, mm. her new husband, Shane, she's had a whirlwind romance with him. They've not been together that long, but she's been kind of sucked into his world because he comes from an incredibly wealthy family. He's very successful as a real estate agent and um, she's kind of been dragged into this world of, of the rich and powerful. And she's kind of realising on this honeymoon maybe that not everything is as sunny as she thought it might be um, mm. quite early on. Shane, they get to their room. It's this incredible room. It's probably nicer than any room I've ever stood in in my entire lifetime. (laughs) But it's not the exact room that Shane's mother booked for him. So he has, yeah, he has a tantrum about that. He goes and complains to the hotel. And there's a whole running thing through the series about him being upset about not getting the right room in the hotel, despite them being in a gorgeous room that's probably better. But because it's not the room he thought he had, he feels victimized. Um, Whereas because of. Exactly. Whereas because of the world that Alexandra Daria's character comes from, she's very much more, this is a very nice room. Can't we just have this room and enjoy our honeymoon? And um, she starts to realise through conversations with him that he doesn't see her as maybe needing to continue her career. He wants her to Mm. just sort of stop working and be his wife. And through conversations with other characters, she starts to realise that she's being seen by his family as a trophy wife um, who's just good for kind of looking good and being pretty. And I can almost imagine it's mm. possible that in some of these films Alexandra Daddario has done in her career, she's maybe ended up feeling a bit like she's being hired to be there to mm. kind of look pretty yeah. and attractive. And, you know, she she's one of the most beautiful women in the like, world. I'm not like, she is absolutely gorgeous, yeah. but <laughs> that's a, that's a thing that she's, you know, nature has made, her, she looks a certain way. And then she obviously, is yeah. is able to dress and appear and you know she is a, she is a gorgeous woman but i've seen from this and from true detective and other th- you know a few other things she's done that she's also a really 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 talented actress and she's really good and the journey that she takes mm. you on with rachel i mean i might be wrong i might be just making assumptions that i shouldn't be making but i feel like you can tell that she sees a lot of herself in this character because she just mm. nails these scenes there are scenes where she has to look shell shocked and you know kind of panicking and she just pulls them off perfectly. She's so good in this series. I mean, she should win um an Emmy, I think, for this. She's so, <laughs> so good. And yeah, the the journey she goes on, the journey all the other characters go on, are just so 
fascinating and interesting and it's funny. There's a couple of shots like there's a I think episode four in particular ends on this one shot that just had me like guffawing out loud, which I don't do very often. It's so funny at times. And um it's just brilliant. Jennifer Coolidge is incredible in it. She's so good. Like she's playing this character that just uh, it's just bizarre but she's wonderful she's so so good and yeah the whole thing is brilliant and i just mm. loved it i absolutely adored it they've just announced that they're doing a second series and i think it's going to be a bit of an american horror story style thing where it will be a different white lotus hotel somewhere else in the world and it will be a different group of guests oh, okay. turning up and causing mayhem rather than following the same characters again um mm. which kind of works because you sort of see all you need to of those particular characters on in this series but yeah. uh, i've got faith in mike white now that he can produce another sort of really interesting and fascinating nice. uh, series so watch it if you have a, if you have an opportunity to watch it if you get hbo max where you are Definitely. on now tv or mm. however you watch sky things Watch The White Lotus. It is amazing. And, um, yeah, really, really reflective of the world. And, oh, yeah, just just good. Just really good. So that's kind of – that's my main culture catch-up. The only other two things I want to mention are um, I listened to – we talked a bit a couple of weeks ago about Donda, Kanye West's album. Um, but it had only literally come out like an hour earlier when we recorded, so we hadn't had time to listen to it properly. Yeah. I've listened to it once in full since then. And um, yeah, maybe same. you could judge me for not coming to this conclusion earlier and giving it a, more of a chance it needed. But ultimately, just the presence of Marilyn Manson and DaBaby on the album I, is too much to get over. And I can't deal yeah. with it. So I've not listened to it again since. And um, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I listened to it once and um, I found it quite... Um, the fact that the, he doesn't swear, which is fine. You don't have to swear, but... Even um, I think I think there's been also censoring of swearing. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. Like it's clean. There's and it's just like, but that's not what the kind of music that you want to give people is, is it? Like what they're expecting, but also um, certain religious words that maybe you would say have been censored. Um, I don't know. Um, the only song that I felt like maybe I understand where he's coming from, and maybe the is is talks about his mum. And I try to put myself in his situation. In his, uh, it's like, oh, you know, if you lose somebody, you were so close to, like your mother. Um, how would you react? And maybe this is, you know, when when did she die? Um, oh, what two thousand and six or something a while ago a, f- a few years yeah. ago and i was like oh you know he's still mourning uh because also i think the way she died was a total unnecessary way yeah. to go because it was only for like a cosmetic procedure it wasn't yeah it's was complications from the anything cosmetic procedure, wasn't it? yeah it wasn't anything life-threatening before so it was and so it just it must be quite still hard to because I think in that situation, probably myself, I would probably go, why did I allow my mother to do that? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> because it could have been completely avoidable. So I'm not sure if he's still having like a breakdown from that because some people never come out yeah. of it. Um, because he was really close to his mum, yeah. wasn't he? But it's a weird album because you feel like it's meant to be a sort of an album about that, but it ends up like everything he does, it's just about him. It's not about his yeah, mother. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I have no time for it. I listened to it one more time just to give it a go. But like you said, having people that are not just controversial or problematic, but actually 
somebody that has been accused of assault, yeah. sexual yeah. assault, then, you know, that's not being problematic. That's somebody being a criminal and a bad person. Yeah. So... And I think even when we talked about it last time, their song was still greyed out. You can actually listen to it, but it's it's on there now. So yeah, it's just sort of, I don't know. It's 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 sad because it's it's it feels like there's the sort of the bones of a of an interesting project there. Like it opens with that chanting of Donda, which um, you mentioned that you didn't like particularly last time, and it is a bit of an odd thing. But I I read that like the number of times that they say Donda at the start of the album is the same as her age when she died and the rhythm of the chanting is meant to match her final heartbeats. And it almost feels like it starts from a place of trying to actually do something that honours his mother. And then it, as usually he ends, it ends up with just him rapping about he feeling victimised and how people don't understand him. And, you know, having a man who is mm. a, who on the one hand will brag about being a billionaire and on the other hand bra- will complain about being a victim just feels a bit pathetic. And it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's upsetting. And then of course he's had a big beef with Drake who um, just put out his new album with the, have you seen the cover art to Drake's new album? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. bizarre. It's and have you seen the title? Yeah. No. Uh, it's called Certified Lover Boy, which is, one of the worst titles for an album of all time. And it's mad that Kanye's put out this album, Donda, which is pretty flawed and hasn't got amazing reviews, yet is still better reviewed than the new Drake album, which people hate. So not a good couple of weeks for the biggest names in hip-hop at the moment, it seems. I have I have never liked Drake. There's something about his music I don't... I can't... I don't... Uh, you liked Hotline Bling. I have no time for him. You liked Hotline hmm? Bling? Ah, well, yeah. That was, that was a... That was a, you know... <laughs> Um, ah, true. I forgot about that, but that wasn't really Drake, was it? Like that was a, a bit of a different kind of. Drake. No, he used to do songs a bit like that occasionally. Like he had another one called um, some, okay. "We're Going Home" or something. And but then his recent work just yeah. seems to be just rapping, just loads and loads of rapping without particularly interesting production, in my opinion. And and um, it's quite and like too yeah. many songs. Like his albums are too long now, and like Kanye's album's really long. But even if I was going to really try with Donda, at least like there are different ideas in the production of it and it changes throughout the album. Whereas like Drake yeah. just seems like it's always the same sort of basic th- thing. Not particularly mm. for me, but even his fans don't like this new one, which is uh, interesting. But anyway, two albums that I do like that I've been listening to Senjutsu, the new Iron Maiden album. Uh, we featured the single a few weeks ago uh, when yeah. that came out, that just released. And it's, um, it's mm-hmm. another brilliant late stage uh, album for Iron Maiden they're continuing to segue from like the short poppy metal songs of that they did in their first stage of their career, like Runs the Hills and the Trooper and stuff into these mm. really long, complex, proggy metal tracks uh, that they've been doing uh, since, since the two thousands. And um, they're just brilliant at it. And it's a brilliant, it seems like an amazing album. Mm. It's really, it's really long, but you know, it, it's interesting and cool and yeah, mm. I like it. And then the new churches album or Chiverches, uh screen, uh, screen violence is um, a return to form in my opinion I wasn't too keen on their last album it went a bit too mainstream but they've gone kind of back into a darker more interesting place with this new album and uh, one of the songs even has Robert Smith from The Cure on it and it's brilliant so um, nice. Senjutsu by Iron Maiden and Screen Violence by Churches if you want to listen to um, some some good music give those a go and that's all my culture catch up
Nice. I like it. I like it. I like it. Very good. What about you? What have you been doing? Very good. Very good. Very good. What have I been doing? So uh, today uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of films. Uh, um, I've got an album recommendation and um, I'm going to quickly talk about a series I've talked about before first. Uh, So uh, one of my favourite TV series of all times, well, one of my top fives, uh, was a series that I uh, talked about called Atypical. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and there's the story about uh, Sam, uh, who is on the autistic spectrum, and his journey from from school to um, uh, college. So um, they've just finished uh, season four, and they, that's the last season. They're not going to do another one, which is sad, but um, they wanted to end it on a high note and to kind of like end the journey for kind of Sam and the yeah. family and um, it kind of went like full circle and you know Sam kind of got his feet in the world and he's planning a big trip to Antarctica and the the last season is really good because it kind of um, tackles not just um, Sam's journey but also his sister's sexuality and trying to find yourself in in your school and the expectations of your school so that's really good if you're young and you're you feel like you know you're supposed to do all these things for your career and your university but as long as you don't get panic attacks so um that's pretty good but in the later season because we we discussed about if the actor that plays Sam who is um uh Care Gils Gilchrist Gilchrist mm. uh is actually on the uh autistic spectrum but he's not but in the fourth season um two actors who are on the autistic spectrum are uh very present which is really good and one is Tal Anderson uh who uh, is basically uh well they're both in college with him and uh she's uh, an actress who uh is on the autistic spectrum and Dominique uh Brown uh so that's really good they also included um uh, people that are actors and are on the autistic spectrum so to kind of you know make it inclusive good uh but yeah uh i'm sad but also happy that they decided to conclude it in a positive way where everything is just like finished and in a way it's good not to drag things too much even if you love yeah. them um but yeah so i watched um, a couple of uh, films uh i uh, finally uh watched a uh, 2020s role does witches um it's got a great cast uh annie i think we have to call her annie Hathaway now all oh, right okay always Anne. still i have no idea well i'm gonna say Anne. just so don't sound like a idiot okay. so Anne hathaway um as the grand high witch uh olivia oh, oh, olivia octavia spencer as uh grandma stanley tucci's in it he's uh he's the owner of uh, an expensive hotel chris rock uh does the um voiceover of the film uh and then um then there's some a few uh there's the main character jazir bruno uh who's really good as hero boy i think he's in the um, uh, christmas chronicles i think he's in number two and he's also in in atlanta is uh he's a good uh, child actor um and yeah it's just uh the story is an adaptation of the book uh roald Dahl's book the witches uh which is about 
uh, a young boy and uh, who loses his parents and uh, goes and lives with, with his grandma who then we discovers she's a bit of a um, potion maker. Um, one day at the, st- at, uh, the store, uh, the boy uh, meets this uh, lady who seems a bit strange, who's got a snake. And then the grandma tells him that she is a witch. Uh, they escape the town they're living in because uh, there are witches there and they're going to this hotel. To then realize that in the hotel there is this uh, <laughs> coven of witches convention yeah. uh, where they <laughs> this they the witches um, uh, decide that they're going to turn all the kids in the world into mice because witches hate mm-hmm. kids uh, and uh, is uh, the story of hero boy uh, and his grandma and two friends uh, defeating witches. I like it had lots of bad reviews this one but it was like it's 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 scary like if I watch as a kid I would have been terrified um uh Han- Anne Hathaway is very theatrical in it but I think that's where you have to be if you're gonna be a yeah. witch um the special effects when they take their gloves off and they have like yeah, yeah, talons yeah. and their shoes off, they're pretty cool. And the mouth, uh, because the mouth has got like really big, um, their corners of the mouth go from ear yeah. to ear. When she then goes, you know, full witch, it's pretty terrifying. So I thought as a kid, I would, you know, I'd be pretty scared. Um, it's, it's, it's a fun movie to watch. It's very colourful. It's, uh, it's like an adventure film. I don't know why it had so, such bad reviews. There's one bit where um, Hero Boy is um, somewhere and Han Hathaway can, can smell him. And the, her nostrils become bigger and bigger and it looks like a Looney Tunes um, <laughs> kind of uh, scene. When it's, and it's really well made. She just like sniffs and her nostrils get bigger and bigger and her eyes get bigger and bigger. Oh. It's a fun film. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, but um, yeah, and uh, Octavia Spencer is always good. The cast is good. So the film is good. I think maybe if there had been a different cast, maybe it wouldn't have been as good. But um i uh i liked it you haven't watched this one have you uh no no i've not i've not watched it but the original film's really good and the book's really good so yeah, yeah. i'm sure there's credit should, to it I should... yeah yeah and angelica houston is amazing and everything but yeah i i thought it is a, it's a good scary children's films if i watched it it probably would terrify me for a long time the book time. is really scary i remember the book really yeah that's why i never helps. read it <laughs> really scary for a children's book it's really creepy yeah yeah but that's why i never read it because even the cover of the book terrified mm. me like because it was like these like i don't know they just looked really yeah. evil um quentin blake's yeah. uh drawings and, were kind of like so i never read is the there anything in the in the in the um, film about uh someone being trapped in a painting or something like that Maybe I'm no. misremembering. I thought there was something to do with, like, as well as turning him to mice, I'm sure there was a story of a girl that got trapped in a painting that really freaked me out. But, yeah, scary times. Oh, yeah, those witches are horrific. They certainly they are terrible. Are. And their feet, oof, 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 oof. <laughs> um, yeah, 
And then I finally managed to watch the film Minari. Oh, right. Okay. With Stephen uh, Young uh, as the father and then uh, the other actor that maybe you would know would be Will Patton as a crazy farmer. Uh, but yeah, his wife is played by Yeri Han and then uh, the son and daughter by Alan S. Kim and No Cho. And this film is a slice of life. So if you remember, Dan uh, recorded the top five video games episode. As soon as he watched it, he was like, Alex, you have to watch this film. It's a slice of life. It's up your street. Watch it, watch it, watch it. And finally, nearly a year later, <laughs> I watched it. And uh, it's about this um, first generation uh, Korean family who uh, move uh, from California to, uh, I think is in Arkansas, Arkansas yeah. uh, to have um, a better mm-hmm. life. Uh, so um, they moved, so, well, to have a, yeah, to have a better life. Um, and uh, it's just um, when they move there, the two parents have a different idea of what a better life is. Uh, the dad uh, is more about wanting to try and create something yeah. um, f- like a farm uh, for the family to sell, uh, you know, Korean vegetables to the Korean immigrants. But uh, the mother is more about work hard and look Um, for the children so they have very disconnected ideas of what their life should be and so uh, this is a story about um, their struggle to make a life in this place because they have different goals Um, and uh, they definitely it's definitely a slice of life uh, it starts from one point, it ends on another point, but there's no beginning, there's no end. It's just their life. Um, and uh, it's it's really beautiful. And uh, it, it shows how difficult it must be. It must have been at the time. I know it's difficult now, but now we have all the technology. We know how countries are. We, uh, But for first generation immigrants trying to make it a, ble- a better life in a place that maybe uh, they can't have they can't achieve they, they can achieve things but in a much more difficult mm. way and what you want as a family do you want to work so your children have a better life or do you want to better your life first to then give that to your children so um you know we know that First generation families work really hard so their children can then work less hard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then it goes. Um, yeah, it, it it's it's a really good film. I cried a lot. These kind of films make me cry because kind of um, at one point uh, the 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 grandmother arrives from Korea to help them, and they haven't seen each other for maybe six seven years, and when they see each other again. You can see how much they missed each other and you can feel how happy is the daughter to have her there 
and you realize what sacrifices people have made to leave their country and not to see their family anymore and to to just live in a country to have a better life but the life is not that much better <laughs> because you have to work mm. harder um the acting is amazing in it uh the grandma is played by Yoo Jung Yoon and I think she won a few awards as a uh, um, best supporting actress and totally deserved. She's amazing in it. Uh, she's uh, she's a fun grandma, and um, you your your idea of her changes throughout the film, and she's she's amazing in it. Um, Steven Yeun was nominated for an Oscar for this yep. film. I think. Uh, I think, yeah, he was great, uh, but I feel like his wife was, uh, uh, Yeri Han was amazing in it. I think uh, the son uh, that is a bit cheeky, he was incredible in it as well. Like, I think it's just a great cast. And this film was, you know, Stephen Young was the first Asian American actor to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, this was uh, another uh, film that was... The, the film was actually nominated for an Oscar as well, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's mainly spoken in Korean. Uh, there's very little English in it. So, yeah, it's amazing that Asian cinema is... Especially now Korean cinema, because Parasite won the year before as a best film so you know korean cinema but asian cinema is kind of coming in the mainstream and it becoming is becoming you know this like as valid as not that it wasn't but now it's got the validation mm. that you know it is great Absolutely. cinema because uh but yeah it's it's a great film it's a definitely slice of life i don't know if you would enjoy <laughs> it but if you enjoy slices of life and you enjoy families and crying watch it i loved it i loved it it was uh really really good and um the director apparently uh, he wrote it and directed it he was uh ready to go back to uh teaching because he wasn't making any money from uh writing or directing and he gave it one last go and he was like i'm just gonna try and write something and uh, he just thought about his childhood and wrote Minari, wow. which, yeah, yeah, which is really beautiful way to kind of like, he said, don't look for things, just look in yourself. And I thought that was really mm. beautiful. And Minari is this, um, um, it's a water celery. Um, so um, he's, uh, the, the dad is trying to grow all these like beautiful Korean vegetables and the grandma just puts some water celery by a pond and uh, it kind of signifies the fact that, you know, the water celery just grows without any, uh, any help yeah. and maybe you can sell it eat more easily and give you uh, more than actual vegetables that will take a lot of water and a lot of time and so maybe is a is a film about looking what's in front of you and making it work so 
I really enjoyed it. It was it was good. It was um nice to Sounds watch good. it and calm. No no shooting, no um <laughs> no guns, no drama. Well a little bit of drama. There's a bit of drama. Of course there is. Uh and then I've got a recommendation uh for an album. I just I discovered this artist this week, but um the album I listened to is her fourth album. So she's been around uh for uh some time. And um the album is uh the artist is called Little Sims and the album's called Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Little yeah, Sims? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Oh, I, I, never, I never heard of her. Why have I not ever heard of her? I don't know. Her last album was really big, Grey Area. Got nominated for the Mercury Prize. And, and that's the thing. Like, she's been, but it just, she just popped up this week and I was like, wow. Yeah, um, but yeah, she's a British rapper, singer. Uh, and uh, uh, she's uh, based in London, uh, I think. Yeah based in London. Uh, this album, uh, which is called um, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert, is a fourth studio album. And um, it's uh, really great. And I think I think it's definitely something that um, uh, should be listened to. It's got, um, it's quite uh, unique. And uh, it talks about uh, race, womanhood, um, gang violence, uh, but there's a lot of like her uh, childhood in it. And in fact, there's a lot of like kind of uh, uh, children giving her advice uh, throughout the album. Um, It feels quite theatrical sometimes and uh, quite, um, there's, there's, um, I don't know if you know Emma Corrin. From The Crown. She plays uh, Diana. I've never watched The Crown, but I know she does. Um, But she she has a couple of uh, interludes in the middle and it feels a bit like Disney-like. So this album kind of feels like an experience (laughs) in a way. And um, I love her voice. She's got a really kind of like a Lauren Hilly sharp voice Mm. and I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, um, from what I read... Uh, she, she, like the, the album is called Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert. I think she wants to become bigger, uh, but also she doesn't feel, and she doesn't feel that maybe she gets the same praise than maybe the male counterparts Mm. in her kind of uh, genre, um, are, are having. And so, and, um, and I thought that was interesting because of also like the the, the name of the album. Um, sometimes I may be introvert, but she wants to become bigger and the same and be considered the same as. Uh, and I think I think poetically, and how she writes. You know, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Dave being uh, an incredible kind of writer and poet, and I think she's there with him. Like she, she talks about her experiences and how. Uh, she deals with like kind of her sister and the loss of her, uh, physically lost, no, like emotionally lo- loss of her father. And um, I, 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 I think uh, she's great. And I think uh, um, she, she could be up there with uh, other 
of her male counterparts. Mm. So um, I I would definitely recommend Sometimes I'm Me Introvert. And, and I want to listen to her other albums as well. Um, and yeah, that's my culture catch-up for the week. Nice. No, yeah, you're right. Little Sims is... Um... Is definitely a big a big talent who hopefully this yeah. album she kind of like grey area seemed to get her noticed sort of in the music industry world and then hopefully this album will get her more mainstream recognition. Um Yeah. But, uh yeah, no, she's she's good. I'm glad that you have found her. Mm. Yeah. Good culture catch up. So Nicer, nicer. Yeah. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. homework time <laughs> i can't wait to talk about this film <laughs> what which one uh sorcerer all right, okay all right um well first we're going to talk about uh emma so last week we did uh what was it? Remakes, remakes and reboots. Yes. So um, one of yours was the latest adaptation of the novel Emma by Jane Austen. Yeah. A sort of remake. And I had to watch hmm? Sorcerer. And you watched Sorcerer. Which I can't, still don't understand why it's called Sorcerer. No, no, do I. It makes no, no. sense. Uh, it's interesting, really, because they're both films that aren't really remakes, but sort of you can put them in the category of remake, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the, the director so. of Sorcerer has said that he doesn't see it as a... He sees it as another adaptation of Wade the novel rather than a remake of Wage, Rages of Fear, but it's sort of a remake of Wages of Fear because it's the same story. And then Emma, again, is sort of a remake of... Uh, the the ones that have come before because it's telling that same story again, um, but they're both uh, literary adaptations. Um, Emma is a twenty twenty period comedy drama film. Uh, it's stylized with a full stop. Do you know why that is? Oh, actually, I don't. No, never do I. I don't. I don't, I, I don't know why they've done that, but it is. It's Emma. Mm. Period. Full stop. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Autumn de Wilde, who uh, I don't really know, actually. I think she's mostly known for music videos and uh, other mm-hmm. sort of commercial work. This might be her first film. It is her first film. Mm. Yeah, it um, is. And you can kind of see it because it's very beautifully, like, even if maybe you don't like the film, if you can admit that it's beautiful to look at. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's got an incredible eye. She has. Um, and yeah, it stars, it stars, uh, our favourite, Anya Taylor-Joy, as Emma Woodhouse. Uh, a young girl, is she meant to be 21? I think. Okay. Who is in, um, because I've not read the book Emma, I don't really know the story of Emma particularly until I've watched this movie, Mm -hmm. so this is kind of all new to me. But she is a, um... Yeah, she's a, a young woman who comes from nobility, money. She's she's wealthy. Mm-hmm. Money. She comes from yeah. money. Yeah, uh, definitely wealthy. Her father, Mr. Woodhouse, is played by Bill Nye. Um, and her neighbour, George Knightley, is played by Johnny Flynn. Is, mm-hmm. that, he's, is he her neighbour? Mm-hmm. I read he was her neighbour. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, who she's sort of grown up with. Um, they're kind of they're the main two characters really. Anya Taylor Joy's Emma Woodhouse and Johnny Flynn's George Knightley. Uh, Johnny Flynn, I mainly know from having been the uh person who made the theme tune to Detectorists, one of my favorite sitcoms. Um. So it's interesting okay. to see him popping up here as an actor. Although I know he's he's acted in other stuff. He played David Barry in that recent um, David Barry biopic. Mm. Uh, you've also got Mia Goff as Harriet Smith. Miranda Hart is in there as Miss Bates. Um, and a lot, like a whole load of recognisable um, British sort of yeah. character actors pop up as various different characters. It sort of follows Emma as she plays matchmaker for her friends. Is that fair? To say, yeah. and in particular, takes interest in um, Harriet Smith, who I think is a girl of not particularly mm-hmm. prestigious background. Yeah, um, yeah, she's um, she's uh, you know, not not she doesn't come from money like Emma. She hasn't got the no, money. but Emma kind of wants to put her into money, maybe at the expense of what yeah. Harriet wants. It seems. Yeah, absolutely. She's uh, she's a busybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a busybody. Um, <laughs> she's a bored busybody involving herself in other people's lives. Um, sort of. Yeah. Seemingly at the expense of her own life, at times. Yeah. Yeah. Or is sort of almost. Yeah. I think she knows. Uninterested in her own sort of life, and is more interested in the lives of people around her. It seems. Yeah. I guess. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. Um. It's a very sort of stylish film. It um, has a really strong colour palette uh, in... Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of sort of pastel colours, I suppose. It uses a lot of pastel colours and it has these very beautiful big sets and it uses... Mm. Um, and again, something else I think that comes from... Uh, I don't know. I don't know, actually. It's It's... Almost Wes Anderson-y at times in uh, its adherence to its colour palette. Mm. And it yeah. uses a lot of straight-on shots, like dead-on centre yeah. shots in the way that Wes Anderson will do, but it doesn't do it exclusively. It kind of it kind of cha- alternates between a more traditional filmmaking style and then something that seems more akin to um, mm. Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah. I sort of, <laughs> I can see the quality of it in that it, um, yeah. Andy Taylor-Joy is brilliant in it because she's brilliant in everything. Yeah. The other actors are all really good in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, I guess, Miranda Hart is probably good in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's playing a very annoying <laughs> yeah, lady. Yeah, she's playing a very annoying lady. Um. But it was a t- it was a story that I didn't know. I don't know the story of Emma really, and yeah. if I'm being honest, it was a story that I didn't really connect with at all, which probably yeah. kept me from loving it as much as you possibly. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of, I have a general disinterest in upper class British period dramas, mm. and that that's what yeah. this is. And it's quite light, but it's meant yeah. to be light, right? Well, it is supposed to be light because Jane Austen was making fun of all the 
um, the stupidities of these noble people, what they were doing and their etiquette and different things. You know, you can't touch each other. You can't do this. Things need to be a certain way. Like it's kind of um, it's her satire of the kind of uh, people the time. Yeah. Had this the stupidity of people at the time. Um, yeah. But um the the what I the thing is though, like you're not interested in this kind of stuff, but you found it enjoyable because of Anya Taylor Joy. Uh I found her very watchable. I was Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like it doesn't matter if you like the fact that she can make something that you might not enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Because she's in Yeah, there. I'd probably say that I didn't really like the film, but I enjoyed yeah. watching Anya Taylor-Joy because she's great. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? She's incredible. Like, I didn't expect you to like the film. I think you have to read the book and enjoy the work of Jane Austen and have been a girl when you read this and um, and then seen Gwyneth Paltrow ruining everything and then <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy making it all better. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Do you think there's a version of this film that is like much, much, much more stylish and um, really leans into the satire angle of it and maybe almost finds... I found some of it just quite stilted. Like, when it wasn't being Wes Anderson-y, it, it was a bit sort of by-the-numbers, sort of sat around in boarding rooms. It, it almost needed to have, for me, more... But this is probably, again, because it's just something I'm not interested in, but if it, if it had more speed to it, I might have found it more interesting. Mm. Like maybe something that was less faithful to the Jane Austen novel and maybe brought it closer Mm. to modern and modern interpretation. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, 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 like I said, I liked it because it kind of shows the 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 ridiculousness of social ethic etiquette. So sometimes when the the scene seems to be like very like I don't know what to do or or just not nobody doing anything until somebody says the person that's supposed to say something says something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find those bits really funny because it's like it's so silly. You I know that was social etiquette, but at the same time, why are we following this so much? And how silly is it? Yeah. Know? Um, it's interesting because I just didn't, I mean, I just didn't, I think I struggled to focus on what was happening so much that I didn't, I didn't get from it mm. until you said it now that that was what it was meant to be about, if you see what I mean. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't have like, you know, it, you have to kind of like period dramas, I think. But it's it because I liked, I like, I love Little Women. Little Women's an amazing film. Oh, but it's it's it's, to, it's totally it's totally different. No, Little women, Little Women is is not is not a satire. Is not supposed to be funny. Is is about these girls that it's just it's just not it's just two different worlds. Yeah. Little Women. But I mean, I can and, enjoy like and, uh, I can enjoy a period drama. Yeah. Hmm. I just don't know if I got the satire in this. I don't know if I found if I got hmm. that it was meant to be funny. But I enjoyed Annie Taylor Joy because hmm. she's great. Yeah, and I was always going to watch it. I'm glad I've watched it. I found I'll be the uh, one main c- complaint is that I hated Bill Nye in it. Ah, uh, yeah, he I is found annoying. him so irritating. Like, 
Yeah, well, because uh, in 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 Jane Austen, there's always seems to be like one of the parents to be uh, a germaphobe or uh, um, what's it called when you feel like you're always sick? Uh, hypochondriac. Um, hypochondriac. There's always a parent that's like absolutely so annoying <laughs> that you just want to kill them. Uh, so um, it's yeah, it's just just a. Yeah. thing that she does and so I thought he was hilarious in it because it's just like oh it's so melodramatic and so annoying yeah. and oh but I I yeah. liked I liked Tony Taylor Joy in it I liked Johnny Flynn in it I thought he was actually really good his performance was really good so good and so uh, good. Mia yeah. Goth as the um yeah. the school girl that, that that Emma's trying to kind of lead through <laughs> society she's brilliant in it um the three of them were yeah. sort of my anchor points in the movie uh, and who I enjoyed, yeah. and then yeah, Bill Nye I found quite irritating, and then the 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 oh the priest is the worst. oh yeah the priest oh and it's her I it's her from it's the actress who's in Sex Education that plays his wife right yeah yeah, yeah. she's pretty funny yeah. in it actually she's only in a handful of scenes yeah she's funny. there were there were definitely scenes yeah. here and there if it had been an hour and a half and they'd sort of trimmed stuff that I mm. found boring I'd have probably enjoyed it. Yeah. Whereas overall, I came down a bit more negative on it, but definitely can appreciate yeah. the craft and art of it, but it's not my entirely mm. my kind of thing. So yeah, an interesting one yeah. this week. Yeah, cool, <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you watched it. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Oh, and I'm glad that I've seen so... Only Taylor Joy make herself uh, bleed from her nose. That's a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great chemistry between Annie Taylor Joy and Johnny Flynn. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. That was pretty yeah. cute. Oh, yeah. Give me a little bit of a, a flutter, <laughs> flutter, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you watched Sorcerer. I watched a film called Sorcerer. a film that you could probably have easily gone your entire life without ever even having heard of. <sighs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. A film that could have gone my entire life without seeing, hearing of it, or even imagining. But now you have done. Uh, so I have seen it. Uh, yeah. So um, nineteen. So I watched nineteen seventy seven, Sorcerer, directed by William Fredkin, mm. which has done a few films: uh, The Exorcist, yep. French Connection. Yep. Um, others. The, there's a recent one with Matthew McConaughey. What's it called? Uh, Killer Joe. That movie is amazing. Killer Joe. Yes. So you know, uh, you know, a good, um, experienced director. Uh, the cast. Uh, there is Roy Schneider. Uh, Bruno Kremer, Francisco Rabal, uh, and others. I think the only one that I knew was um, Roy Schneider from Jaws yeah. and The French Connection, yeah. and Frederick von Ledebour from uh, somewhere. I can't remember exactly from where, but I've seen him in a f- some old films and he was the guy behind the bar. Interesting. Um, but, um, yeah. And so, um, it's a film about a gangster, uh, Italian mob gangster, 
uh, a banker, a hitman, and a terrorist. Um, they all do something, but the only people that we know about are the gangster, the banker, and the terrorist. Uh, they all find themselves in this small village in South America. Um, the beginning of the film, we get a very long setup of what the banker, the gangster, and the terrorist have mm -hmm. done. So we start with the terrorist in Israel. Uh, interesting moment that was. I think that was a great filmmaking, you know, very kind of like it starts very kind of calmly and then a, they leave a bag, a bomb explodes and then everything goes ba 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 and then cut to France uh, where uh, this guy is having some problems. I think he's a crooked banker and he's having some bad things and, some, and he escapes. And then we go to uh, New York. New York. I guess it's New York. Or Jersey or somewhere like that. Where, uh, oh yeah, somewhere in there, where there is a robbery in a church and then an accident, which that was the most tragic accident ever. Like they weren't going that fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, <laughs> Roy Schneider is driving as a driver. And I thought that was hilarious though. Like he's not driving that fast because nobody's following them. And then suddenly this lorry comes yeah. and the car hits the lorry, but the car just is like, it was going like at 600 kilometers an hour and it just topples and everybody dies in it. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and uh, they just robbed the church of a very influential gangster. So, I don't know how all three from three different countries find themselves in the dirtiest South American village on earth. Like, it was filthy. Everybody's filthy there. The f everything is disgusting there. I don't, what, do, did you know where it was? Uh, I don't think it ever really makes it clear where it's meant to be. No. It just sort of, it's, it it's on the opposite side of South America to where they want the stuff to be, basically. That's all yeah. that is. It's basically hell on earth. <laughs> Nothing works. The job is terrible. There, they, there's no water. Everybody's filthy. It's hell on earth. And you clear that these guys escaped something to then go to to hell. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. And all of this happens in the first maybe I don't know. I think it's about forty minutes, and not much dialogue happens. Very little yeah. dialogue. Just the essential. This film is about essential dialogue, but lots of like beautiful shots and interesting shots. Um, and so they live in this place and then, uh, then this guy arrives on a plane and we discover that he's a bit of a, you know, he's, I think he's the hitman. I think he's a bit of a crook as well. So every crook that's ever lived on earth lives in this city in South America. Well, at least, at least four of them. <laughs> and they all adopt Spanish names, but none of them speak Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're not um, good people. Yeah, so they're not good people. No, no, they're, they're clearly not good yeah. people, but every person that has not been good lives yeah. there. 
And so they work there, it's pretty like normal, uh, they show the everyday life of these people and how the police is uh, um, kind of crooked as well. Crooked? No, crooked. Crooked. Cro- no, crooked. what's the word? Corrupt. Corrupt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so the police is corrupt and, uh, and um, there is an explosion. I think they're trying to, to bring oil somewhere. Oil or not I think it's oil. oil. Instead of oil, it's an oil company. Oil, yeah. yeah. And the place explodes. Yeah. From that, from and so it's everybody's job is in this oil thing, and then from that explosion, then we get to two people trying to move some really explosive materials from one place to another. Yeah. To make it explode even more, is that was that the idea? Well, I think the idea is pro- possibly that because of this explosion, the um, the the line the drill that they've made into the oil well has collapsed, and they need to they need to do a controlled explosion to reopen it and access the oil again. Ah, okay, so yeah, yeah. so I I was like, okay, I was I, I missed a bit. I was like, why are they trying to make? And so um, they have to move this really explosive um, what kind it's of material nitro, is it? It's um, dynamite that is leaking mm-hmm. nitroglycerin. Dynamite that's leaking nitroglycerin. Mm. And the scene is beautiful. They go in this place where it has been raining and there's probably been an explosion, but nothing has exploded. But this guy goes and he picks up something that looks like water and is very careful. He's like, oh, what is this? What is this? And it is not water because when he shakes it off, it explodes. (laughs) Yeah. So you know... That the stuff is highly explosive. Yes. And so they have to move these boxes of highly explosive liquid nitroglycerin from one place to the next. <sighs> and then they have to find four drivers that will be very good at driving these mm. places. And they do. Uh, in the, you know, the hitman, in the, the banker, the gangster, the hit. Well, it wasn't the hitman first. Somebody else, but then something happens and the hitman happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they have to take this thing, this nitroglycerin from one place to the next without moving it very much mm. in the South, in, in a South American jungle yeah. with terrible bridges, <laughs> with with trees collapsing, and that's the story. That's the film. Yeah. And don't forget the gorilla fighters. Um, <laughs> The gorilla fighters who can't drive. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of silence in this film. Yeah. A lot of like, not, no silence. There's a lot of, n- there's not a lot of dialogue. Um, the bridges are amazing. Like how on earth did it not, ex- so like moving it a little bit would make it explode, but these bridges don't make anything explode. Um, at some point, it felt like ho- a horror film. There was a lot of, like, shots. There was a lot of rain and, like, at one point, uh, some weeds attack. Yeah. The the van they have to drive, and it's crazy. Um, yeah. And um, it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's amazing that this guy managed to make a film about moving some explosive liquid from one side to another with very little dialogue. It's the second one as well. It's uh, a remake. But, um, They've done it twice. 
Yeah, they've done it twice. And um, it's, it's, it's masterfully made. It's beautiful to watch. You can see that the guy that made it knows his cinema. Yeah, and they did it all practically. Uh, the the scene on the really... bridge, is they, they just had to do it. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's very well done. Um, it was enjoyable to watch. Uh, I never thought I would watch a film about this where you know the the enemy is the nitroglycerin uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it was fun it was uh it was uh it was very long though it's like two hours and after a while i was like come on just go over because there's a bridges and bridges and bridges and um not everybody makes it no of course yeah. not everybody makes it um, but you can imagine who makes it. Um, but yeah, um, it was good. There was a bit of tension. I read some trivia. There was a bit of tension while filming it between uh, Schneider and um, and the director. Yeah, they're, they're both quite big characters, uh, I think. Yeah, they didn't really get along very well, but I think that was in a... I, I, think, I think that worked for Schneider because I think he... He's not the nicest and you don't, but that's what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to like mm -hmm. him. Um, and it ends in a very interesting way. Like it ends in a way that you don't know what's going to happen. So that ending is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, you wonder if it was the corrupt police that allowed the ending to happen or somebody. Mm. But yeah. Uh, it's um interesting, uh fun 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 film definitely a a George film <laughs> yeah it's my kind of film um yeah yeah but also just I don't know I just have a big appreciation for cinema from the seventies where they had to just get out there and do it they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't fix anything on a computer when they got back to this do you know what I mean like it just had to be done mm. and that was it and yeah. it's kind of visceral yeah. and real and yeah well I'm glad you watched it because mm. it's not a very well seen movie. No, me too. I'm uh, I mean I uh, yeah, it was uh fascinating. Good. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Are you ready for a top 5? Five? 5 4 3 2 1 our top 5. Yeah. Zombie movies. Zombie movies. Mm, 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 mm. Zombie movies. I'm not sure if one of them I already spoke about, but yeah. Well, I definitely want to, at least one of mine, if not a couple of mine I've spoken about before. But, um, you know, these are the films I, I think are good zombie films, important zombie films. So let's talk about you. Okay. I'm going to start with my number five pick, which is a 1998 direct-to-video film it is a uh, a tight 77 minutes long oh and it is the iconic scooby-doo on zombie island <laughs> have you okay have you seen scooby-doo on zombie island i didn't think so oh, it's a good film man it came out in 1998 i was 10 years old i certainly would have rented it from blockbuster or just had the video i can't remember which one and it is the tale of uh, Shaggy, Scooby, Fred, Velma and Daphne, otherwise known as Mystery Inc. 
the film opens with them all split up and separated. Daphne and Fred have started producing a TV show called uh, Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake. And uh, she's just announced that she's doing a new series where she's going to look for ghosts. So Fred has the very clever idea of inviting and re- reconnecting with the Mystery Inc. team and getting them all back together. Shaggy and Scooby are working in an airport as a customs dog and his uh, handler. <laughs> and uh, Velma is running a uh, kind of bookstore. And she has a line where she says, solving mysteries was a lot more fun than selling them. <laughs> uh, so they get back together to go on this ghost tour and try and find a real ghost. And here's the twist for this uh, that made this quite an interesting film. I think this is the first ever time that they're real. The ghosts are real ghosts in this movie, in this Scooby-Doo movie. Mm. Uh, historically, up to this point, it was always a guy in a mask and he'd always go, I'd have gotten away for it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah. Uh, people believed yeah. that there was a giant lobster man and now you've made it all shown to be, be fake. <laughs> Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, they're real zombies. That's, that's one of the many mm-hmm. twists that this film has. This film is crazy. So they end up in New Orleans... Um, they're complaining that everything they've seen has been fake and they're overheard mm. by uh, da, 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 Lena Dupree, who uh, tells them that she knows where they can see a real ghost on Moonscar Island. And she takes them to oh. Moonscar Island and introduces them to her employer, uh, Simone mm. Lenoir, played by Adrienne Barbeau, who used to be married to John Carpenter and was in The Fog and is a, a crazy good actress who mm-hmm. uh, lends her voice this movie. Also featured in this movie, um, voicing a character called Snakebite Scruggs. Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, during his kind of wilderness Ooh. years in the late 90s where he was mostly doing voice work, I think, uh, pops up in this film. And, uh, yeah, they go to investigate and they discover ghosts, zombies and all sorts of other things, along with maybe some werewolves or werecats that they have to escape mm-hmm. from. And uh, it's, I, it's, it's a bit of a nostalgic choice and I hadn't really thought of it until I was looking through a list of zombie movies and I was like, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, I remember that. And I watched it over and over again when I was a kid. I used to love this movie because I loved <laughs> Scooby-Doo when I was growing up. Yeah. And... Um, I always thought it was really cool that it was actually real, for once, like a real ghost and a real zombie and stuff like this. And it has a genuinely, mm. uh, beyond it just being real for once, there's another twist in the film that I think is like really, really good and really well done. It has an amazing soundtrack with like a couple of songs that they've produced just for this film uh, about them looking for ghosts and things that are really cool. And it was successful enough mm. that it has spawned, it spawned like a whole series of these direct-to-video animated Scooby-Doo movies in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s that were all um, real, like, all real ghosts and real mm. things. It was, like, one where they were, it was, like, a cyber chase um, and all these other things. And there's what there's a, there's a sequel called Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island, which I haven't actually seen, but uh, I might have to watch that at some point. But I watched this movie. Last night after I watched Emma, I... Um, kind of treated myself and watched Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island and I decided it was going to be in my in my top five because the zombies are pretty cool and pretty different actually if you watch the movie you'll see a, maybe a take mm. on zombies that isn't often in uh, in films and uh, a zombie gets its head ripped nice. off at one point so you've got actual like fun <laughs> zombie action 
Um, mm. And it's a genuinely well-reviewed movie. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, mm. Entertainment Weekly's Joe Newmayer praised the film as fast, fun, and filled with knowing winks. Oh, yeah. interesting. So uh, there you go. Oh, and also, um, I once went to see the amazing stand-up comedian Stuart Lee, and he did about a 20-minute long routine about this movie that was very funny, that I particularly <laughs> enjoyed as I was such a fan of it. And amazing. He... Um, yeah, compares the state. He compares running uh, Zombie Pirate Island to um, the regime of Margaret Thatcher, which is pretty good. So there we go. <laughs> Great. Yeah, man. Or, yeah. Oh, and one last thing is uh, Stuart Lee very, very hilariously calls it Scooby Doo on Zombie Pirate Island, which um, I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it does. <laughs> why? <laughs> so that's my number five Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. What's your number five? Okay, so my number five is 2019 uh, horror zombie comedy, uh, Little Monsters. Oh, love it. Lovely movie. Fantastic film. I spoke about it before on the podcast. Uh, It stars uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Alexander England, uh, Josh Gad, and it's about this... um, This uh, uh, school trip uh, where Lupita Nyong'o is a teacher to, I think it's a petting zoo. Uh, Is it a petting zoo? Um, Is it a petting zoo? Like a a theme park. Nothing. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a sort of low stakes theme park for young children combined with a petting zoo. Yeah, where Lupita Nyong'o takes um, her class and um, one of uh, the uh, children's uncle joins the the school trip, uh, played by Alexander England, because he seems to like Miss Carolyn uh, very much. Mm-hmm. And this uh, theme park is right next to a uh, uh, zombie <laughs> uh, facility, uh, experimenting facility. And there's a bit of uh, an accident and these zombies escape. And it's um, is the a film about uh, Miss Carolyn trying to save uh, the kids from the zombies. It's... Uh, fun is a really fun film yeah. uh unexpected to see lubita nyong'o in a in a in in such a role yeah in an australian um, zombie film it's crazy in an australian zombie film uh it's uh yeah it's uh really fun it's uh great there's a great uh you know the the ending with the shake it off is amazing apparently uh they weren't going to give them the rights to the song but lupita nyong'o asked taylor swift if they could use it which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I love this film. It's a zombie movie, uh, which is not too scary, and it's fun and uh, enjoyable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool... It's it's a film that wasn't huge. It's not like the most well-known blockbuster zombie movie or anything, but no. every no. single person I've ever spoken to who's seen it really, really loved it. It's the kind of movie where I think if you watch it, yeah. you'll probably definitely like it because it's just really... Yeah. It's funny, but it's also got a great kind of lightness of touch and tone to it that just makes it really yeah. pleasant to watch. And there's a the very funny yeah. running joke of Lupita Nyong'o trying to um, 
hide from the children what's actually happening is is great yeah ah yeah yeah that's amazing it's just you know the children yeah it's just jam the children need to not don't need to know what uh what's happening and she just protects them in the best way she could possibly do so it's a really really cool film yeah no i loved it um yeah good choice what's your number four number four pick is a pretty um Interesting zombie movie from 2019, uh, written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Uh, it's a very oh, yeah. mixed... Uh, opinion on this film is crazily mixed. It had, like, the full range of reviews. Mm. I watched it with my brother, um, and when it finished, he said, uh, I think I hated that film. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed it, and it is 2019's The Dead Don't Die. Have you seen it? No. Ooh. Um, it's about a zombie invasion in, um, a town called Centerville, uh, and it mainly follows, uh, two police officers played by Bill Murray and Adam Driver, two, uh, wonderful actors that I adore. Um, but it has, it has kind of, it sort of flits between all these different people in the town and how they're dealing with this sudden zombie invasion. Um, people like Tilda Swinton is in there. Um, playing mm-hmm. like a Scottish samurai lady, which is interesting. Chloe Savini um, as another police officer. Steve Buscemi's in this movie. Danny Glover, Caleb Landry-Jones, Selena Gomez um, in a small but brilliant role. She's really, really good in this film. Uh, Rosie Perez. Iggy Pop is in this film, playing a zombie. Iggy Pop, yeah. Um, <laughs> the RZA is in this film. Carol Kane who you might know from uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Larry Fessenden, Sturgill Simpson, the famous uh, singer, uh, is in this film, and he wrote the theme song for the movie. And kind of what I love about this film is, and what, what some people hated about this film, is it's a film that knows it's a film. It's pretty meta. Like, they talk in <laughs> okay. the film about Sturgill Simpson having done the theme tune for the film, and that's just like the beginning of... Um, how kind of self-aware this this movie tends to be. Um, and you either sort of when you start watching it, you either immediately get what it's doing and go with it, or you hate it. And um, it seems like mm-hmm. I can't judge somebody that hates this film because it's pretty bonkers. But um, I don't know. There's just something about it I really adore. I really really like it. Um, it, it it's just. It's fascinating. And it's just got great, like, it's really deadpan. There's a great bit where they're investigating a crime scene and Bill Murray is sort of like, what do you think's done this? And Adam Driver's just like, ghouls. I think it was ghouls. <laughs> and just very, it's almost Wes Anderson-y at times. And, it's, and maybe that's just because Bill Murray's in mm. it. But it feels, um, it feels very specific and very <laughs> kind of authored. And, um, yeah, I really love it. Oh, and, like... It's just so, like Adam Driver's character has a Star Wars keyring on his car keys. No. Yeah. Like it's very <laughs> sort of, it knows what it is. But yeah, no, it's a weird film, but I think people should check it out and give it a go. It's on Netflix at the moment in the UK. Um, the Dead Don't Die. And you get to see Tilda mm. Swinton fighting zombies with a, with a samurai sword. Come on. Amazing. Yeah. Have you, so have you heard of it? Yeah, but, I've heard of it, but I've never I've really yeah, seen, seen it. it. But your brother didn't like no, it. No, he hated it. He absolutely hated it. Um, like, it has jokes in it about um, 
No, I won't. Spo- I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's pretty. It's pretty sort of self-aware. It's very self-aware. If you if you if you like okay. that sort of thing, you, you can get behind it. But if you don't, you're not going to. Uh, you're not going to enjoy it. What's your number four? My number four. We are still in the kind of comedy, kind of light zombie kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because maybe that's what I like about zombies. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, is uh, a film from two thousand and nine, uh, Zombieland. Nice. Yeah, I love, love, love Zombieland. Uh, great cast. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Columbus, Emma Stone as Wichita, Woody Harrelson, which I think anything is in. Oh, he's just the greatest. Yeah. I would love, I would love to him for him to be my friend. <laughs> um, as <laughs> Tallahassee, uh, Abigail Breslin as Little Rock, Bill Murray as Bill Murray's in it, and um. Is set uh, two months uh, after um, the zombie apocalypse has uh, uh, exploded. Um, And uh, Columbus, played by Jesse Heisenberg, uh, wants wants to try and make it to his parents' house to see if they're alive. Uh, He's got some, um, he's got a list of things uh, that he's prepared himself to to fight the zombie apocalypse, uh, to survive mm. the zombie apocalypse, um, and uh, he meets Tallahassee, played by Woody Harrelson, and uh, he uh, is a zombie killer. <laughs> he likes to kill. He zombies. really does. Yeah, and uh, uh, they start traveling together, and they meet uh, sisters uh, Wichita, played by Emma Stone. And a little rock played by Abigail Breslin, and uh, they are not very good girls. <laughs> They're kind of like con artists to be able to survive the zombie apocalypse, and um, they pretend uh, that um, little rock is infected, mm. but maybe she's not but their plan the girl's plan is to uh go to an amusement park uh, pacific playland partyland playland uh because apparently there are no um zombies there on the way there they go to bill murray's house who pretends to be a zombie <laughs> and it's funny uh and yeah and it's basically uh, a story of people trying to survive a zombie apocalypse in the best way possible in a funny way uh and uh it's got a great cast um they then reach the park but other stuff happens and uh, you know there's a zombie land too so um which i enjoyed as well i thought zombie land 2 was good i um, like it more than the first one I think I do. I that's what I was thinking. Would it be Zombieland two? But I think as a, I really enjoyed Zombieland two. Mm. But I think uh, Zombieland is just so. It's just the, the beginning. So I think I I really enjoyed it. But I I I like both. Fair play. And it's um great film with a great cast. They work really well together. You can also see it in Zombieland two, and it's a great film. Great zombie film. Nice. Zombie zombie films are kind of a bit nerve wracking, aren't they? Because there's not really an end to it. That's your life. Yeah, that's yeah. You're not going to really solve the be... problem of zombies, are you? Generally, no. They can be quite no. existential threats. Yeah, um, definitely. The thought of uh, an eternity of just this kind of world. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
But Zombieland manages to find humour in that idea. Well done, Zombieland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Good choice. Well, yeah. My number three is a slightly different zombie film. It doesn't have hordes of zombies in it. In fact, it's got, Ooh. I think, just the, the one zombie in it. Um, or Well, it depends on if you oh. count a non-human creature as a zombie. Um in which case it might have about two or three. But it is the... Um, it's a 1989 film directed by Mary Lambert, and it is based on a Stephen King novel, and it is Pet Cemetery. Oh. Yeah. Have you ever seen Pet Cemetery? Okay. No. It's, um, it's an interesting movie. It's flawed, but I really, really love it. It's about a family of uh, the Creed family, uh, Louis Creed, played by Dale Midkiff, who is um, uh, the worst actor to ever play the lead in the film, I think. Mm. Um, Denise Crosby plays Rachel Golden Creed, his wife. Miko Hughes plays Gage Creed, their toddler son, who is amazing mm-hmm. in this film, considering he is a baby, effectively. And mm. uh, Blaze Birdall plays Ellie Creed, his older sister. And... Uh, they also have a cat called Church, who actually looks uh, very mm. similar to your cat. Is uh, I think the same Aww. type, uh, like short hair sort of cat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they move into a new house um, in the main countryside, uh, and their neighbour, uh, played by the perfect Fred Gwynn, who uh, was in The Monsters back in the 60s and um, plays the judge in My Cousin Vinny. Uh, he's just great. Uh, he plays Judd Crandall, uh, the kindly old neighbour who sort of welcomes them to this um, country estate that they live on, or country lot. And uh, in between their two houses is a extremely... Um, no, not busy. There's a, there's, a, there's a road that runs between their two houses and that's pretty much the only thing where they live is um, the two houses and then this road. And the road is a route for uh, trucks and they regularly um, blast down this road at high speed. And that's kind of the setup Ooh. of the film. And um, Judd, very early on, takes the family on a walk and shows them the pet cemetery, which is where local people for years have... Um, buried their pets uh, often after having been um hit by a truck on the on the local road and um the film sort of uh goes down that path of setting up this road as a very dangerous thing and then um maybe certain characters are uh, meet their end due to this road and Judd might just know a way of bringing them back with the power of the pet cemetery Ooh. Mm. Uh, but as he says uh, in the film, sometimes dead is better. Because uh, <laughs> maybe they don't come back quite as they left. And uh, yeah, it's, mm. I don't want to, if you haven't seen the movie or know the story, I don't want to spoil it much beyond that because it's pretty kind of seeing the shocking events as they unfold is kind of what's important in the film. But um, yeah, it's mm. an interesting film about sort of, it's, it's one of Stephen King's darkest stories. It's really, really dark okay. uh, and pretty brutal what happens to this family. And 
Um, this film isn't perfect. It's sort of undercut at all times by how weak the main actor is. Um, sorry, Dale Midkiff, but you're just not good in this film. But uh, the people around him are excellent <laughs> in it. Um, and it scared a generation of children uh, with the character of Zelda. It's got these flashbacks to um, the wife talking about how she wanted her sister to die when she was young. And it's not really connected to the main plot of the film, but I guess it's just another way of talking mm. about how characters deal with grief. And her sister was um, sort of extremely deformed and lived in this bedroom. And uh, when it cuts and shows you it, they have a male actor playing the sister and he's done up in all this makeup to just look like this kind of really, really horrific um terrifying image and um it's really mm. that that stuff's really scary and then when it gets into the meat of the plot and uh, bringing these things back to life after they've died it, it's uh it's scary and it's a different kind of zombie movie um but it is certainly about the undead coming back to life and terrorizing us and um i really like it it's 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 a weird interesting different film uh they did a remake recently that was terrible don't watch the remake but um, if you can get out there and watch the 1989 original um, and directed by a female director, which is amazing for a movie, a horror film in 1989 to be directed by a female director is, um, is pretty uh, amazing. event, uh, you know, pretty unusual. And uh, she does, you know, she's, she's great. She does a really good job. So um, yeah, Pet Cemetery, good film. Why is it spelled like that? Um, because it is, um, how it's spelled in the film on the sign, and I think it's meant to be because it was children that started the pet cemetery and they didn't know how to spell cemetery. So it's sort of. Like, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Because I was like, is that how they spell it in America? No, 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 no. no. Um, it's like intentionally spelt wrong to to show that it was um, okay. like started by children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's going to be another pet peeve that I have about American spelling. No, they don't spell like, cemetery. Oh, God, they don't spell cemetery that wrong. People. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, gosh, it's it's great. It's really, really good. Good film. What cool. What's your number three? My number three is a zombie blockbuster. Ooh. Uh, it's a 2013 uh, film with Brad Pitt called World War Z. Nice. I love this film. Uh, it's um, who else is in this film? Other people. I can't totally tell you. Yeah, but I didn't really. I I forgot that Peter Capaldi is in it. Mm. I think he's in the place in, in, in when they're in Wales or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it is. But you just need to know. There's Brad Pitt. Yeah, he's Brad Pitt. Is. This, you know, is used to be a he used to work for the United Nations. He doesn't work for the United Nations anymore. He's over that. Now he's a family man. He's a family man that lives in a house <laughs> with his family. A family man. Uh and he's um but uh, suddenly, very suddenly, the world starts becoming plagued by uh this um infection that is turning people um in zombies. And these zombies are crazy zombies. Like they're not, you know, they're not like zombies. They're like, we're going to build a wall of zombies and we're going to go everywhere. So it takes, it takes very little time for people that get infected to become zombies. Uh, he, um, 
they're attacking his city, I think is New York. I don't know. It's always New York for me. It's somewhere. And he manages to uh, send his family away and he gets into his helicopter and it's basically the story of him going around the world trying to figure out where this zombie disease has started, if it was started um, in, you know, uh, in a lab, how did it get out? And it's just the story of him trying to uh, find a way that this zombie uh, infection is going and trying to find if his family is alive. And all of this while surviving incredible uh, zombie attacks. Uh, there's a scene in Israel where they managed to build this wall and he's wondering what how did you know how did you know how to build this wall and then people are singing and then didn't realize that scene is incredible isn't it mm. when they they they're singing but they feel protected by the wall but these zombies are not zombies they're like mutant zombies that managed to attack the city and Make a wall of zombies. Yeah, they're all sort of um, clambering over each other in these huge herds. Yeah, yeah, pretty intense. It's a very exciting film. Mm. I, I, it's very action-packed, exciting zombie film. Um, I, I think it's really fun. It's a really fun film, and Brad Pitt is perfect in it, like always. And um, <laughs> just talking about it, kind of feels like a bit like COVID. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> they need to find a vaccine to make zombies, not zombies anymore. And so, um, yeah, it kind of feels a bit like COVID, but I, I love World War Z. I think it's a great zombie film. I'm not a big expert, but it did excite me to watch yeah, it. And I think it's great. A lot of people dislike it because it's such a poor adaptation of the novel. But I think you have to watch it on its own merits, in which I agree with you. I think yeah. it's a really entertaining film. Yeah, I haven't read the novel. I don't know. I think it's fine. Oh, the novel's amazing, but it's nothing. I mean, it's two. It's two completely different. You might as well call it an, ad- mm. an adaptation of Harry Potter. It's as close to that as it is to the, to, to the novel. <laughs> but um, on its own merits, I think it's a it's a really good film, and obviously Brad Pitt's brilliant in it. And it's it's and it's so exciting. Yeah. It's just like it's so like oh my god, just get out! Yeah. It's just it's just one of those films where I just it's definitely I think the most epic the scale that a zombie movie has ever reached. Um, the most blockbuster yeah. it's ever achieved, and I think it's exciting yeah. to have that at least in the world. It's a blockbuster zombie yeah. film, and like it was for a while it was like uh, Brad Pitt's biggest grossing film. Yeah. And for years they've and been it's a zombie they've film. been saying they're going to make a sequel, and David Fincher was going to direct it, which would have uh, been. I've been hoping for a sequel since they made yeah. it. But a, da- a David Fincher and sequel would be, would be. I hope they get that. Amazing. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. But yeah, no, a good choice. I like World War Z. I think it's it's unfairly maligned quite often by people, but um, I think it's a decent movie. I think it's good. Good pick. Good, good. Yep. And we need your number two My now. number two is a film that I've spoken... I'm not going to speak about it for too long because I've spoken about it, I think, probably on at least five other episodes because um, I like it so much. It is a 2017 um, Scottish Christmas zombie high school musical <laughs> film, uh, yeah. Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, th- I, uh, I really want to watch it. It's brilliant. It's such a good film. Um, it stars a mostly unknown cast. The Ella Hunt plays Anna in this movie. She's amazing in it. Um, Mark Benson plays her father, and Paul Kay plays uh, the head teacher of the school. 
Uh, and then there's a whole of a there's you know there's a whole cast of actors in this that are great. It ba- it broadly follows Anna, a uh, teenage schoolgirl, and her friends over the Christmas period, um, as a zombie attack occurs, um, and they attempt to reunite with their families who are trapped in the in their high school. Um, it isn't a super high budget movie like World War C, for example. So the zombie action is uh, is good, but it's not. It won't be the most exciting zombie action you've ever seen. But they do a perfectly good job of it. But what makes this film stand apart, I think, is the fact that it's a musical, and that the music in it is really good. Uh, particularly, there's a there's a song early on called Hollywood Ending that's brilliant, and it has great choreography. And they just bring all these different things together: a Christmas movie, a high school movie, a zombie movie, a musical, a comedy. And they balance, that's like five different plates spinning that they have to keep going and balancing and they balance them perfectly. And to do that on the budget they were working with, I think is um, incredible. And I just love the movie. And I've spoken about it before plenty of times, um, so I won't go into it in too much more detail. But yeah, I just think Anna and the Apocalypse is one of the most um, sort of, you feel full after watching it. If you need to like calm down and relax and enjoy yourself, then it's the best solution. So yeah. Anna and the Apocalypse. Cool. Yeah. What's your number two? My number two is a film that I think I have on another list, but I can't remember. But I've spoken about it before. Everybody knows it. It's a beloved film. And it's uh two thousand and four film directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yes, please. Have I spoken about this or Hot Fuzz? Um, you've definitely spoken about Hot Fuzz. I don't remember if you so talked maybe, about Shaun of the Dead. Well, if it's in another list, it doesn't matter because it's fantastic. It's about Sean. Uh, is not having a great day, and he wants uh, his uh, his girlfriend is. Uh, uh, not very happy with him because they're always at the pub, the Winchester. She wants something different to happen. and um, But uh, unfortunately, uh, what comes between uh, Sean and uh, making his girlfriend happy is a zombie apocalypse. Apocalypse. A zombie apocalypse. And... Um, uh, Sean has, uh, with his best friend Ed, played by Nick Frost, has to fight these zombies to save his girlfriend uh, Liz, played by Kate Ashfield, and uh, his mother. This film is fun. It's got a great cast: Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, uh, Dylan, Dylan Moran, Peter Serafinowicz. Uh, there is also a cameo from Jessica Stevenson. Uh, it's uh, it's really fun, really relatable. Um, and uh, it doesn't start in the zombie apocalypse. It starts with a normal day. And by the end, uh, the zombies, the zombie apocalypse is kind of finished and humans live with zombies. So it's not, it's kind of like a different take yeah, on zombies. Yeah. So um, it's it's really fun. It's just a fun film about a zombie apocalypse done in a perfect way. Yeah, it's fair to say that it's a masterpiece. And yeah, probably one of the best films ever made. Of any yeah, genre. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So even if I put it in a list before, it's one of the best zombie movies. Yeah. No, that's true. Ever. That's fair. 
God, it's so good. And if you haven't watched it, watch it. You need to watch Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yes. Yeah. there's anybody out there that hasn't seen Shaun of the Dead yet, then... Um, uh, it's just perfect. Know, ignore all of my films. Watch, watch Shaun of the Dead. It's good. <laughs> uh, perfect. Well, that brings us to my number one. Yeah. Which is a film I've definitely... I've talked about it before, I think, but I don't know if it's been in a list of mine before. But um, if you think of, like, um, what else has been in my list so far, like uh, Scooby-Doo is a children's movie... Uh, the, Dead, mm-hmm. the Dead Don't Die is like a weird meta comedy. Um, Pet Cemetery is just about one single zombie. It's not like a traditional zombie movie. Um, Anna and Apocalypse is a musical. This is my cho- This is my pick at number one for like just straight up. If you want a zombie film, that's just a zombie film and nothing else. This is my choice for that. I think it's an. Abs- Can I guess it? Go on. Okay, so what I think is a real zombie film. Something with 28 days later. No. Weeks. No. Because also, they're they're not really even, they're not zombies. Dawn of the Dead. No. Oh, then I don't know. (laughs) You'll kick yourself because you could have, I think you, I think you might have forgotten it because I don't think you'll have seen it, but you'll, you'll know it when I say it. It's a 2016 Korean film. Train to oh, Busan. Oh, Train to Busan! <laughs> I really want to watch that one. Oof. That was going to be my zombie marathon. I was going to do a zombie film marathon. The first one's going to be Train to Busan. And I need to watch it. Uh, Train to Busan is incredible. Train to Busan is an, an amazing masterpiece. It's, an, it's a, it's a modern-day horror classic, I think. It's going to go down as one of the all-time great horror films. Um it follows primarily um, Seo Sok Woo, uh, a fund manager played by uh, actor Gong Yu, and his daughter Seo Suan, uh, played by Kim Suan, um, who wants to go to Busan to see her mother. So uh, he he is uh, Sok Woo is a bad father. He uh, is more focused on his fund management job than on his daughter. He uh, The film opens with him buying her a Nintendo Wii for her birthday. Seems like a great present, right, Alex? You'd be happy to receive a Nintendo Wii. She unwraps it, sees it. He says, good, good, good gift, right? And she points across the bedroom to show the exact same thing that he gave her, like, for Christmas a few months earlier. Aww. And he's not even managed to remember that he's already given her that gift. So he's a pretty bad dad. Um, he decides that he wants to redeem himself slightly by taking her to Busan to see her mother uh, on her birthday. Uh, so they get on the train and um, similar to Shaun of the Dead, everything is fine uh, or seems fine at the start. On the way to a train station, they see a few police cars rushing by with lights on and you start to get a sense not not everything is perfect. They get on this train and just before it departs, uh, a zombie runs on and uh, in, infects the train. And then the, the majority of this movie is about how this zombie infection moves through the, the uh, passengers and crew of this train and how the people who are left try to survive. And it's such a genius idea for a film, like trapped in a moving train with zombies. You can't get off because there's even more zombies outside. You have to stay on the train. But oh my word, oh. there are zombies. And it, it has its own little twists on... Um, the zombie monster in this movie uh they can't see in the dark so anytime the train goes through a tunnel that creates kind of opportunities for characters to move about the train uh and all these different things it's very very clever the way it sets up its different set pieces 
Um, and yeah, it's great. And just in terms of the rest of the cast, there's a whole, there's high school baseball players in there. There's kind of a whole, you know, you get to know a whole kind of group of people as you're doing a lot of zombie movies. Um, but standout characters are Seong Kyung, played by Jung Yoo Mi, uh, a pregnant lady, and Yoon Sang Hwa, played by Ma Dong Seok, uh, her husband, who is my favourite character in the film, and is absolutely hilarious and brilliant and wonderful and, yeah, just a great classic uh, character. And, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant movie. It was so good that it spawned a sequel, um, but the director kind of went, strange route with it made this movie called peninsula which uh is nothing to do with a train at all is more to do with just what might have happened in korea on the korean peninsula five years later let's pick up and see and he kind of tries to make a fast and furious style action zombie film um Similar to World War Z, it's one of those rare kind of big budget zombie films, but it's not quite got a big enough budget to really execute on what it wants to do. And it certainly loses a lot of the charm of what made Train to Busan mm. uh, so iconic. So it doesn't quite work. It's definitely not in my top five, but the original is absolutely perfect. I adore Train to Busan. It really, really is fantastic. So um, yeah, it's my number one zombie film of all time for certain. Nice. Yeah. What's your number one? I really want to watch it. So hopefully that's my homework. Please, please, please. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I don't want to watch Pet Cemetery. No, I would... Sounds too scary. I definitely won't make you watch Pet Cemetery. I don't I don't think that okay, you would you. like it. No, I will never forgive you. Okay, my number one it was on one of your lists and I watched it because you gave it to me as a homework and I love this film and I think it's a great film. And my number one is amazing that we both chosen two like an Asian film, but my number one is 2017, One Cut of the Dead. Nice. Camera o Tomeru na. And I know it was on your list, but come on. Um, it's a great film. It's about uh, this uh, director trying to make a low-budget zombie film. It's uh, kind of divided in three parts um, and shows you like different aspects of filming this uh, zombie film. Uh, it's fun. It's, and I don't want to say anymore because the less you know, the better you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just the trials and tribulations of making a low budget uh, zombie film. Uh, there's some twists and turns. It's fun. It's great one of the best films i've ever seen anyway but it's just amazing and once you figure out everything it's amazing yeah it's, uh, yeah it's, well, like like you said you have to watch the first part and then you know and the more you watch the better it gets it's just such a great film yeah. great concept for a horror, for a zombie film um it's uh funny and expected and Great. Yeah, it's it upsets me to think about the number of people that have turned this film off in the first half hour because you really do yeah. have to push through that initial half hour. But it's worth yeah. doing, and it's an, it's essential it's that it's there. It's worth doing. Yeah. 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 It's essential, and oh, I just I I couldn't recommend it more to people because it's so clever. Yep. It is. It's so yeah. it's only not in my so list it's my because it's one. been and I've talked about it in another list, but I've, I'm glad that you've yeah. got it on yours because it's, it's great. Yeah. It's my. Yeah. It's so good. 
It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our top five zombie films. Boom. I'm going to run through my list one more time. Go. So I've got at number five, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. At number four, The Dead Don't Die. At number Mm -hmm. three, Pet Cemetery. At number two, Anna and the Apocalypse. And at number one, Train to Busan. How about you? Great list. Thank you. My number five, uh, Little Monsters. My number four, Zombieland. My number three, World War Z. My number two, Shaun of the Dead. And my number one, One Cut of the Dead. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's also a wonderful list. Well done. Thank you very much. I have got a few honourable mentions to go through, if it's okay with you. Yeah, I don't for the first time. I don't have an honourable mentions. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough. Because we'll have... like, the other ones I don't, I didn't really enjoy as much, and so I don't, I don't want to mention them. Yeah, fair play. I'll just run through a handful that I think are really good as well, um, and maybe you'll get some that you yeah. want to watch. There's a Canadian film called Pontypool um, okay. that is was so close to being my top five. It's a fascinating movie where the zombie infection is passed on through language and Mm. hearing certain words kind of turns you into a zombie and it's set in a radio studio and um, it's crazy. It's a really, really good movie, unlike any other zombie film I've ever seen. Um, And it's got just Mm. such an interesting idea at the centre of it. Obviously, the original Dawn of the Dead is incredible. You said One Cut of the Dead. There's a a super low-budget indie movie called The Battery, which is amazing uh, zombie film. Mm. Uh, The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue from the 70s. I talked talked about that a few weeks ago. Let the Right One In is brilliant. You've said Shaun of the Dead. The original zombie film, Night of the Living Dead, great. Uh, Wreck, uh, the greatest found footage zombie movie. 28 Days Later. Uh, obviously that's great. The remake of Dawn of the Dead is Zack Snyder's only Mm -hmm. good film. It's actually fantastic. (laughs) Uh, The remake of Let the Right One In, which is called Let Me In, is um, is incredible. Chloe Grace Moretz gives one of her best performances of all time in that film. You've said... It's a zombie movie. Sorry? It's a zombie movie. No, it's a vampire movie. Why have I put it in here? Yeah, that's what (laughs) I thought so. I was like, I've seen that, but it's not a zombie movie. Oh, that's really weird. I've no idea why I've got Let the Right One In and Let Me In yeah. Here. I thought they were zombies. Because I was just like, like oh, that, that's an honourable mention I have. Yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> why have I done that? Anyway, sorry, ignore that. Little Monsters that you've mentioned, and um, I think I was just thinking of general horror movies for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, Reanimator, um, a great Stuart Gordon, uh, gross Lovecraft adaptation, weird mm. zombie film, which is, which is cool. So... Um, you have no honorable mentions at all, yeah? Well, you know, I... No, not really. Play. Okay. Because um, I haven't really watched that many, and the other ones are just like, you know, I watched Planet Terror, but... Yeah, it's a yeah. bit... Yeah. It's okay, it's not really an honorable mention. Warm Bodies, but it's not really an honorable mention, is it? No. Like, it's just films that... Fair. Fair play. Right, well, how about homework, yeah. then? What are you going to watch? Uh, you haven't seen any of mine, I don't think. No. No. Um, I think, yeah, you should just, yeah, Train to Busan. You should watch that. Thank you. Yeah, okay. And you should watch. Yep. Well, you could do a free choice. I could watch the other film from last week that I hadn't, I hadn't seen, uh, Dracula. Yeah, watch Dracula. Okay, I'll watch Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. 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 
Um, How exciting. Yeah, and you're going to watch uh, Train to Busan, which is really, really cool. And I'm excited I'm excited that you're finally going to watch it. Um, I've got a couple of recommendations yeah. from Culture Catch-Up uh, that people should yeah. check out. So in particular this week, I think people should watch Annette if they can uh, get their hands on Annette. And uh, The White Lotus, uh, Mike White's absolutely uh, incredible um, satire. Mm. How about you? Uh, I would recommend definitely Minari. If you like a uh, slice of uh, life um, films. Yep. Um, and um, and then I would definitely recommend uh, Little Sims' new album, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. Really, really good album. Perfect. Um, so there we go. That is our episode on our top five... <laughs> Zombie movies. Uh, next week is our 48th episode. And we're going to be doing our first episode dedicated entirely to an actor. Yes! Yeah. We're going to be talking about our favourite Keanu Reeves films. I think he's yeah. definitely... He's definitely the actor with the most crossover between our interests, I would say. We both definitely love Keanu yeah. Reeves. Um, yeah. And uh, it was recently his birthday, and we did a little shout yeah. out to him on our on our Instagram feed. So go and check that out. Um, From one of the best scenes in cinematic history, definitely. I mean, that's that could that could make the top five, and he's only in it for about ten minutes. That's how good he is in that film. Yeah. Um, always be my maybe. It's is. just that scene when he goes, "It's Keanu Reeves." <laughs> and he's just like kissing. Um, so yeah, no, join us for that. That's going to be brilliant. Uh, yeah, top five Keanu Reeves films, and uh, then it'll be time for our next special, which will be on the film Pig. Pig. Pig, which is going yeah. to be exciting to talk about. It's a Nicolas Cage movie, and I'm certain at one point we'll do top five Nicolas Cage films because um, definitely that man's made a lot of movies. So if nothing else, there's definitely mm-hmm. plenty to pick from. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. And yeah, follow us on Instagram, please. That's where we're most active. You can also find us on uh, Twitter and other various places, but definitely Instagram is where you'll get the most uh, sort of content from us. Um, go to Apple Podcasts, please. Rate and review us on there. Rate and review us anywhere else you can. Uh, tell people to listen to us. Get our name out there as much as you can. Anything you can do to help us get heard would be appreciated. And uh, we love you very much. We'll see you again next time, or you'll hear us again next time. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Love you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.